0: Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie.
1: Welcome to House Calls in the month of May. I'm Dr. Connie Mariano, and this is my favorite show, is House Calls. I love the month of May because there's so many happy events, and I always start these happy events with birthdays. So here are the people this month who are celebrating their birthdays, and a lot of them are my favorite people. Gary Lee Price, who is a sculptor, an author, and a good friend who was on our show last May talking about his journey and losing his mother uh, when he was eight years old, and he's written a book about that. So that, that was an amazing show. Wendy Van Dyke, who is my White House nurse, who's in Texas. Happy birthday, Wendy. Shirley Burns, who's a neighbor, Anna Roberts, I think this is maybe her 94th, 95th birthday, Jeanette Meyer, happy birthday, Nancy Campo, esteemed Dr. Lud Depish, uh, amazing author, medical historian, has been on our show before, my friend Maureen Francisco, she is a producer for Northwest Productions, she is the queen of pageantry, she and her husband produce the Miss USA pageant in the Pacific Northwest. And she's the author of the book, It Takes Moxie. Bob Damon, Michelle Claire, my medium friend. Dan Grunfeldt, our builder friend in Colorado. Happy birthday, Dan. Sally Udd, who was my right-hand lady for three and a half years. Happy birthday, Sally. Una Higgins, my neighbor from Sedona. Christy Galluli, who is probably visiting Arizona now. Hilda Villaverde, who is also on my show and dear friend of ours and an author, Rod Yoder, Yoli Yanez, and I also want to segue into a special birthday this month, and that would have, that's my mother, uh, Lourdes Hinko-Mariano, who would have been 98 years old today on the 18th of May. She passed away eight and a half years ago, right before her first great-grandchild, Addie Stevens, was born, so... Happy birthday, Mom, up there in heaven. We miss you every single day, but I know you're having a great party up there. Probably having cake that has no calories, which is like the ultimate wonderful... You know, can you have decadent pleasures in he- in heaven? I don't know. I think that's allowed. The month of May is also very special because it's a personal anniversary for me. Uh, May 23rd marks my 42nd anniversary from medical school. So i officially a physician for the last 42 years. There are children out there who are adults now who I delivered as an intern over 40 years ago, so they're out there. Hopefully, they're normal and healthy. So for the month of May, May is a special month because we observe Mother's Day, and it's probably the busiest day of the month in terms of dining out for hospitality because everyone's got that wonderful mother's guilt. They want to take mother out and treat her that day because the rest of the time, she takes care of all of you. So Mother's Day is observed in over 40 countries. It honors mothers and motherhood. The modern American version began in the early 20th century at the initiative of a lady named Anna Jarvis. She organized the very first Mother's Day service of worship and celebration at Andrews Methodist Episcopal Church in Grafton, West Virginia, and that serves as the International Mother's Day Shrine today. It's a special day. We've learned that you send cards and flowers to your mother, you take them to brunch or dinner and as i said it's the busiest dining out day of the year so if you want to bypass that take your mother's out your mom out the day before or the day after so for those of us whose mothers have passed it's pretty bittersweet talk because we miss them on those days and it strikes me about the people i i've lost in my life cuz when i go to the card section there you know i can't find a you know there's no reason to buy a fathers day card cuz my dad's passed and no mothers day card there's no anniversary card for a husband so you know, you start looking at it and you realize, oh, my gosh, these people have moved on in my life, and that's sort of the transition when none of the cards apply. But I think of my friend, Lisa Scaglione, who's been on my show before, and a dear friend of mine who passed away in 2020 of pancreatic cancer, and she said to me in her wisdom, she said, you know, you really don't grow up until your mother passes away, which is a sad and somber statement. And you realize your mother carries you in her womb. You are the only one who knows the sound of your mother's heartbeat within. And she cared for you as a baby. She worried about you all through your life until her life is over. And, I, and as a mom, I think for me, it's the only time, it's one of the rare times that I love somebody more than I love myself. And that's, that's my baby, my children. I love them more than I love myself. So when your mom passes, you better grow up, is what Lisa said. You better grow up. So we look at that. We look at the impact of losing a mother and, and how precious it is. And it isn't sometimes until you lose them too late that you realize their impact. And in my own family, my, my father lost his mother when he was 11 years old. He was one of seven children in the Philippines. My grandmother, Louisa, uh, died giving birth to her eighth baby. And her seven children surrounded her as she, she died. So that whole loss of life impacted the family significantly. So we look at how precious it is, not only life, but the gift of being a mom and the gift mothers give us. So in studio, we're dedicating this show to moms. And what better way to celebrate moms than to have two moms with us? So it's three moms. Myself, your host. I'm a mother of two sons, ages 34 and 36. And I have soon to be four grandchildren. I have three here who belong to my son, Andrew, and his wife, Erin, who's our special guest. And uh, there's um, another grandchild on the way in Minnesota who will be born hopefully early in June to my son, Jason, and his wife, Leah. So the moms in studio are my daughter-in-love, I like to call that daughter-in-law, Erin Stevens. And she is a native Arizonan, born in Globe. She loves the sun and a good dry heat. I love that. She's a mom of three kids, Addie, who's eight, Alexander, who just turned six, and Aubrey, who is, what, 24? No, she's, <laughs> she's four, and two cats, and she's been married to her amazing husband, Andrew, my oldest son, for nine years. Erin has a large collection of hobbies and projects. She's always very busy organizing and serving others, and she serves her local MOPs Mothers of Preschool group. So Erin's the studio. You want to say hi, Erin? Hi. <laughs> Sweet. We have Jackie Kelly. Jackie is a stay-at-home mom to two wild boys. That's her word, wild boys, raised in Arizona. Uh, her husband's Mitchell, and her boys are Archer, who's six, and Hunter, who is two. Jackie is a self-proclaimed maker who loves to dream big. She has served with her local Mops, mother of preschool chapter, for five years and has a passion for young moms and young families. Hi, Jackie. Hi. Welcome. Thank I wish you. we could film this because you two are so cute and bright. <laughs> so I posed all these questions to the moms, and I wanted them to share their, their journey as a mom because the hope is that other moms are listening and are going to go, oh, my gosh, that's so true. And their future moms, like Aaliyah, my, my other daughter-in-love and, uh, in, in um, Minnesota, who will benefit because she's, she and Jason are getting ready to welcome their little one. So, Aaron and Jackie, when you hear the word mom, the name mom, what's the first memory about your childhood that comes to mind?
2: First memory I I don't know, first memory. Um, but thinking back one memory that feels like it encapsulates my childhood. Unfortunately, I was sick in this memory, but we'll we'll bypass that part. Um, I was just bedridden for a few days and my mom spent the whole time reading me Anne of Green Gables and when I was awake enough to sit up, we would cross stitch together. So, kind of brings in my now love of reading and crafting, and mom just taking care of me. But well, it's a sweet thing, yeah. When you're a kiddo, right? How about you? How
1: about you, Jackie? Um, about you?
3: My mom and I were both very musical, and it's kind of the same with you. It's like, was I musical, or did my mother brainwash me? <laughs> Into having a love of music or books or crafting. But yeah, we both loved music. So um, she raised me on a lot of 70s music, um, which I still have a love for now. But we always sang um, in the car. And my brother always asked us to stop because he hated it.
1: (laughs) That's a little brother. It's it's typical.
3: So always um, just like a love of of music and kind of a kinship within that um, was a really big part of our relationship while I was growing up.
1: You know, you, you you show what moms are. You know, moms are your your first encounter with healthcare. You know, they're the nurturer, the healer. Yeah. When you have a boo-boo, you run crying to mommy, usually. I remember, you know, it was Aaron mentioning being sick? And those are my, probably the memories where I had my mom's full attention. When I had a high fever, I was sick. I was home from school. And it's typical, you know, to get your fever down. And in the Filipino tradition, they always put Vicks, or they call it Bix because they can't pronounce V, <laughs> Bix. Vapor rub on your chest. There was something healing, and every Filipino out there knows. Guys, it, as a, as per Joe Coy, the comedian, it's all about the Vicks vapor rub, right? And, and we just laugh. It's like there. It's it's like chicken soup is to to certain people, to cultures, to Jews. It's the Vicks vapor rub. Oh. So, and then they would make a certain porridge uh, that had chicken in it. That was our version. A chicken soup. My mom would always make leloup would be the name of it, with fried garlic and vinegar on top. And you knew you were sick because that's what she (laughs) was cooking. You could smell fried garlic, which has some some healthy properties. So as you were talking about your your first memory and you look back in your years of growing up before you you left home, what lessons did your mom teach you about growing up? Anybody want to answer that?
3: I was thinking about this. My mom... When I was in the fifth grade, I was a bigger kid, which is fine. Just a chunkier kid. And all I wanted to be for Halloween was Britney Spears. And my mother let me buy this costume, which was like sequin pants and a sequin crop top <laughs> with like a little head mic and feathers. And looking back in high school, I looked at pictures of me in this very ill-fitting crop top. And I said, why did you let me do that? And she said, well, you wanted to. And I feel like a lot of my childhood was her, even if it was a very silly choice, Um, Obviously never put me in danger or anything along those lines, but if I wanted to try something, she was always behind me 100% and let me figure things out on my own. Um, And even when I did marching band and got involved in things that she didn't really have any concept of, she just followed behind me and just cheered me along 100% of the way. So that was a great lesson that I can translate into my kids as to even if I don't necessarily understand what they're doing. Yeah, I can. I can still cheer them on um, and be supportive and push them in the ways they need to be pushed towards their goals. Yeah, to express themselves. Yeah.
1: How about you, Erin? What, what What did Kate, your mom, teach you?
2: Actually, very similar. In fact, I have a Halloween costume story. Yes. I think I was seven, and I wanted to be the Grim Reaper. Yes. (laughs) And she bought me the Grim Reaper costume. Wow. (laughs) That's interesting. There's a picture of me and my childhood best friend. She was dressed like a a a farmer. She was very cute. She had the pigtails, the braids. They painted freckles on her face, overalls, sunflowers. And then me next to her in a full black cape with the, you know, the... Wow. What is it called? The, The... The The sickle. It's a sickle. Sickle. Sickle, yeah. yeah, Because
3: you wanted to, and she loved you, and she wanted to make you happy. Yes.
1: (laughs) Well, don't you feel like with your kids, it's like a dog on a leash. You've got the leash. It's not too tight, and you let them sort of, but not enough to make mistakes that that can really be fatal, but they're supposed to make mistakes, right? And you say, okay, you want to try it? I'm going to be supportive, and you're sort of expressing your individuality.
2: Yeah, it's helpful to let kids fail when they're young while the... As they say, well, the price tag is still small, yeah. they can learn those lessons on something simple like spilling the juice or yeah. or whatnot before they're in college, and their mistakes can have a lot, yeah. much bigger impact
1: yeah, if you're going to make mistakes, make them at home with your parents and they'll you know you like, that's the outcome, right? Somebody asks, do you want your children to be safe or do you want them to be strong? You want to wrap them in bubble wrap? you can't wrap them in bubble wrap, but you want to give them tools that make them pretty tough so when you look at what your mom did, how much of that impacted what you do as a mom now to your kids?
3: I would say it. it's interesting because my mom obviously was the mother of a girl and I am the mother of two boys. So it's very different um, the way I interact with my kids versus the way she interacted with me because I feel like we've always been just best friends. That's the relationship my mom and I have already had always had. And that's not the relationship I'm going to have with my boys. Um, there's a lot more. <laughs> near-death experiences with two boys, Um, a lot more just desperately trying to keep everyone alive. So it has been different. And she even looks at me parenting my two boys and is like, like she is like this. I don't remember it being like this. I'm like, it wasn't. You had a sweet, lovely daughter. (laughs) It wasn't like this when it was with me. This is a lot scarier. But um, the base, the core of the love and support, I've been able to translate to my kids
1: and then Aaron, you're an only child. Now you have three and you've got
2: two girls and a boy. Yeah, we so we have the circus and, <laughs> and they are it your, was not they like are your my childhood. They are your monkeys. <laughs> they, they are mine. Yeah. Yeah, when when I was growing up, if I got bored or squirrely, my mom would send me out into the neighborhood to go find a friend. And she'd be like, Go find someone to play with. I think I saw a bike two blocks down. There's probably a kid who lives there. And I go went and found a friend. Uh,
3: it's very resourceful. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but with my kids, if they're bored, I'm like, I made you friends.
4: Go yeah, I play. Produced
1: your friends. <sighs> there they are. Go play with them. I made you friends. So if you can recall back when you got, you had your very first baby, right, what advice do you wish people had given to you before you had that baby?
2: Take Take that newborn time to just rest and just be with the baby. And it doesn't matter if no one vacuums. Just in, just lay down. <laughs> it doesn't matter how that baby came out. It was hard. Yeah. Like, so it's – you should recover. And yeah. that newborn time goes so fast. Just – that's it.
3: I would say I – my first son when he was born was one of those fun babies that just kind of screams at you for a couple of months. And no one prepares you for the baby that screams at you for a few months. And – There is a lot of products and marketing that promise you if you just buy this sleep swaddle or this specific brand of herbal whatever, Mm -hmm. or even when they get older, if you're having issues with behavior, if you get this specific behavioral chart like that, you can buy an easy fix. And I wish someone would have told me that there is no easy fix. It is going to be hard when it's going to be hard. It's going to be good when it's going to be good. And there is nothing you can buy. No pillow or supplement that is going to fix all of the hardness because I just kept desperately looking like, surely this can't be what motherhood is. Surely this can't be my life now. So I just kind of kept grasping at straws to make it better. And it did get better just because he got bigger and grew out of his colic. And I got a better understanding of what motherhood was like, but there's nothing you can buy to be a quick fix. And on that note, I would say
2: finding a MOPS group yeah. is, was huge for. I mean, I didn't join MOPS until I had a third baby, um, and yeah, it's a game can changer. You sh- share with the audience
1: what what MOPS is about and where they can find that in their city state.
2: Yeah, MOPS stands for Mothers of Preschoolers, but there's also a Moms Next branch for more moms of elementary age, um, and it's a, a faith based group of moms who have kids under kindergarten, essentially. Uh, So you can join as a pregnant or newborns. You don't have to have a preschooler. I know that's a misconception. Um, And our group meets twice a month. We have speakers. We we do games and events. And um, there's chapters all over the world. So most likely there's one nearby
3: any major city. Yeah, you can go to Mops International. You can look it up. If you look up just mops, it will just give you search results for mops to clean your floors. So you do have to look for mops. Oh, oh, it's right. It's not the thing you clean your floor. It's the one that that cleans up your life Correct. your No. Correct. has No, it's been amazing. Yeah, if you go on Mops International, I think you can plug in even your zip code and they will show you local chapters. But we have a pretty big one. We have about 100 women in ours. And there are some that are as small as 10, 15 women. But... You It is so isolating, especially if you're a first-time stay-at-home yeah. mom going from working full-time and having human adult contact every day, and then you get this baby and you just feel like you're losing your mind because mm-hmm. you haven't talked to an adult in yeah. hours. Um, and it's so nice to be able to go hang out in a room of women who also understand and are either at the same life stage as you or are a couple steps ahead and can tell you that everything's going to be okay. Because I showed up like probably eight weeks after my first and I had postpartum depression and I just needed friends and just walked into this room with strangers basically and said, please help me. And f- six years later, I'm still in it. So one of the best decisions I've ever made.
1: And you brought up postpartum depression yeah. and it happens very often oh, because yeah. not only do you have a, your hormones plunge, so you have the hormonal changes, you have the physical changes. The thing that really makes it hard is the physical discomfort and the exhaustion, the sheer exhaustion and no sleep. Mm-hmm. You have insomnia and it's, your, your f- sleep pattern is fragmented. And then you're, you're, if you're scared, like I was when I had my first one at 32, I, I was like, you know, I, you know I, I'd gone through med school and pediatrics, but I never had one of my own, you know, and... And it's terrifying. You yep. think you know you're a professional yep. woman, and you don't know until you have one of your own. <laughs> it's so true. It's frightening. And it's like you, know, you keep checking to make sure they're breathing. Yep. You know, something's going to happen. And you it's that fear until you get really comfortable with it. Tell me the role of your husband. I mean, obviously, you each have a husband. How how did he, he help? How did he make this happen as part of your parenting? Share a little bit about your parenting plan. and.
3: He was... It's weird. It has been easier with two children than one child because with two children, we are very big on divide and conquer. So we can each take a child. When it's just one, there's a lot of stuff that only one parent needs to do. So it's like, well, who's going to do the thing? (laughs) And my husband, when I first had – my first son was working two jobs. Um, He was kind of starting his own company and still working his normal day job. And so I was really isolated with just the one. But um, Mm -hmm. my husband is the best person in the entire world. He is – we're very much on the same parenting page, which I know is not, not everyone can say that. And sometimes it's really hard based on your childhood, um, coming at parenting from the same perspective, basically. But we've been very lucky, lucky to both, um, be on the same page with punishment, discipline, um, rewards, boundaries, all that stuff. So that's been great
1: and Aaron you're outnumbered you got 3 <laughs> to you two how does how does that work with Andrew
3: um
2: they're pretty much a group at this point um we either are all together or one of us has all of them or the other if we do have to split up we just uh, honestly Aubrey just kind of goes with whoever is easiest <laughs> um when Aubrey was born and actually when Alex was born also so we had a toddler and then a baby Andrew's biggest job was to sleep at night. He knew I was up, but I wasn't going to deprive him of sleep also, because I needed him to wake up in the morning, take everybody out of the house and go to the park, and that's when I'll take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how we figured out that early time with subsequent children, is he was on toddler duty, and the newborn and I would just hunker down.
1: (laughs) But you two are pretty much a united front, just like uh, Jackie and her husband. You both have to be on the same page. You're you're not... Because one of the things I see children doing, they're very sharp. If they, you've got the good parent, the bad parent, and they know to go to the weaker of the two, but you have to be sort of that united front. Probably the greatest compliment our, our, our children, my children, paid me and my husband Richard at the time was they just called us mommy daddy. We were a unit. <laughs> mommy daddy did this. I'm like, oh, okay, we are the unit. We are united, mommy daddy. So we're going to take a quick break because I want to come back and ask Aaron Stevens and Jackie. Kelly, our our moms here who we're honoring for Mother's Day, more about do you ever get a break and about the challenges you face now raising your your young children. So stay tuned on House Calls uh, with Dr. Connie and Aaron Stevens and Jackie Kelly on this special month of May celebrating moms. So come back after the break.
4: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you.
3: To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com.
0: You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one 1-888- 888 346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie.
1: Welcome back to House Calls with Dr. Connie as we celebrate the month of May, which is all about moms. So you make sure you take care of your mom, guys and gals, because moms are very special who brought you into this world. The old joke was these moms would say, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. I get, right? All the threats that your mothers give you, right? What they, you know, they use your full name when they yell at you. How do you know your mom's mad at you? She uses your entire full name. So we're here with two very experienced moms. We're here with Aaron Stevens and Jackie Kelly. Aaron's got three little ones and Jackie's got two little ones who are rambunctious and anxious. And we're talking about the difficulty, the physical, emotional, social challenges of being a mother. And do you guys ever get a break from that?
3: Yes. With breaks, there is no organic time off that happens. You have to plan ahead and structure it. There will never be a time where I'm like, well, I guess everyone's busy today and I can just relax. I do have to, it feels like, book it years in advance but like for today for example <laughs> coming here to do this you have to secure child care you have to make sure kids are getting picked up from school or groceries are getting done or laundry is getting done i just feel like moms have so many jobs that you do have to find backup if you intend to bail um so yes i do get time off but it has to be pre-planned and i do have to get backup before i jump ship <laughs> You
1: got to be organized. Yeah, mom's mom's are extremely. I mean, you really have to. You know, you're the
3: CEO. You're chief operating officer. You yeah. are very, very organized. You have to be. There's nothing worse than coming back from time off to just a demolished house. It's like, why? I'm never leaving again. <laughs> They're like, this is more work than if, if I just stayed. So you want to just make sure things are still working in some capacity while you're gone. So, Aaron, do you ever get a break?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's the same. You know, if we if there's something specific that we can plan for, we'll do that. And Andrew's very supportive. If, it, if something comes up that I want to go do, um, MomCon every year, for example, is like four days of Mom Camp, essentially, and um, he he would reco- he would use his vacation time to take those time days off so I could go and not worry about the kids. And um, we're blessed to have several grandparents in town that can s- step in when needed and
1: yeah it's true you need really a village i mean whenever we do something you and andrew and i we um you are we are blessed to have other grandparents who pitch in who live near cuz and then you recruit friends and cousins and it's it really is you have to have people pitch in to help you cuz it is physically exhausting yeah. you need a break i mean you need to i would get away for like a weekend every couple months and i call it my right night people you know, Richard and, the, and grandparents would watch kids. I would get away to write. I would go to a hotel room in San Diego, and I said, I need to write something. That was my escape. That was my time where I can sit quietly at dinner and not watch anybody eat or cut their food for them and feed myself, right, and, not be, and go to the bathroom without little people following <laughs> me to the bathroom. Or I'd go to work because then I, people tend to listen to me at work, but most of the time. So what was the hardest part of the pandemic? Or was there a difficult time of the pandemic that you all survived?
3: We <laughs> we weren't sure if we wanted to have a second kid because my firstborn was a lot. Um, and we talked for months and months and months. And finally, we said, okay, let's do it. And then we tried for a baby for two weeks and then March fifteenth happened, and everything shut down. And we said we're not going to have a baby during the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> alone in the backyard. So we stopped trying. And then two weeks later, we found out it was too late. We had already made a person. <laughs> and uh, I'll show you, Mom. Yeah, I was just like, oh no, because our first one took a. It took a minute of us trying our hardest when to make our try. first one. Oh my gosh! I just remember getting that test. I'm like. Oh, no, because that was still the beginning where it did feel like the entire world was ending. So that that was really hard going through pregnancy and nausea. And now I am with my older child 24 hours a day um, and there's no groceries, (laughs) just just a very stressful because it was so much unknown. And prior to the pandemic, I feel like I had outsourced a lot of like we were doing stuff 5 days a week. Like we had church, we had Bible study, we had mops, we had playdates. So I was never alone one-on-one with my child. He was 3 at the time when COVID hit. And then COVID hit and I'm like, "Oh, I have to hang out with you and I am your full source of entertainment for the next year to 2 years." <laughs> so that was also very hard having to be on as mom and teacher and support and entertainment. We went from not doing a lot of TV to doing a lot of TV Mm -hmm. very quickly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you have to survive. Yeah. (laughs) You have to.
2: Yeah. Our our kids were 16 months, almost three, and what? She must have been four and a half, Addie? Like I don't know, math. Yeah. <laughs> and she was in um, pre-K, though, yeah. so they did yeah. virtual school. Oh, yeah. And okay, virtual preschool is just a joke because <laughs> these kids don't know how to use the computer. They don't know. They're not going to sit still. No. Right. Um, we would pick up packets of work once a week from the school, and then they'd sit there and show their teacher on the can- webcam what they did. So it was cute for a couple of weeks and then kind of the whole class <laughs> we collectively tried. gave up and it just went downhill. Became a once a week meetup and
4: yeah.
2: um and then meanwhile I had two toddlers also trying to get into the computer and a husband who was now newly working from home who was so antsy, I mean <laughs> he wanted to go outside and play with friends. So, I was so about bad. to say
3: your husband's a social <laughs> butterfly.
2: Yes. Oh, but Personally, I mean, everybody was like, "Check on your extrovert friends right now because they're all stuck at home." Yeah. Like, check on their introverts who are stuck with them. It was, <laughs> they're not doing well. <laughs> everywhere I turned, there was a person all the time. What yeah. are they and, doing in my space? Yeah, it was. <laughs> gosh, it was an adjustment. We had to come up with a schedule that I didn't love, but it was like we have to to survive this. Like going on a walk every single morning. Um, we would like on Mondays we're, we'll watch. Cosmic Yoga on YouTube just to get the kids some movement, you know, trying to keep it predictable. Things that the kids knew they were missing started to become hard because they were just old enough to be disappointed about stuff and know that they're not going to this activity they look forward to and not being able to explain to why, because they didn't get why. They just kind of knew something about germs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but you got through it. You both, you know, your family survived the pandemic. You can tell your great grandkids you survived the, pan- the pandemic of the 19. What year are we? The 20. 2020. 2020.
3: So now. Not the 1920 pandemic, different pandemic.
1: 1918 Very few survivors. So now in 2023, what's the challenge you face raising your children?
2: Right now, right now we're in a pretty good spot. We're coming up on summer break. So we're we were talking earlier. How are we going to keep them busy? And is it going to be nice that we don't have to go to school all the time? Or are we going to want to take them to school sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I feel like every semester I just redo the schedule, just reset expectations and what's going to work now because they change so quickly. Still, they're still little enough.
3: Their whole personalities are different six months later. I am really struggling, specifically with my six year old, to find the balance between protecting and pushing. Um, he's finishing up kindergarten right now, and we've had some issues with some kids in his class not being terribly kind. And there's half of me that wants to show up to kindergarten and beat up everyone. (laughs) And then there's half of me that's like, okay, he has to learn to be resilient, and he has to learn to stick up for himself. But it's just, I know that there are age-appropriate milestones for him dealing with that. So trying to navigate what is best for him? What is going to help him in the long term? What does he need from me now? What is the sane person response to this? And it's probably not attacking a six-year-old bully. It's probably... um, So we're working on him, how to use his words, how to make eye contact, how to get help from a teacher. But we are also like changing his school. So trying to find the balance of... And every kid is different. I mean, I feel like you know you have three fully formed people. I only have one and a half fully formed people. (laughs) But I assume from kid to kid, the amount that you need to push versus protect is going to vary depending on how, what their personality is like. Absolutely. Addie can take care of herself.
2: Uh, Alex needs a little bit more guidance what to do. (laughs) Aubrey, I don't know. She might, she might be the other problem.
3: (laughs) (laughs) She's the one beating everyone up.
1: (laughs) So when you look at your, your kid's and how you're raising them, how is it similar or different from how you were raised from what your mom and dad did?
3: Pretty different.
1: And what way?
3: We are, we all stay very even keeled with our kids. We would just always want to be. And if we feel like we're going to freak out, we go in our rooms and freak out. Like not we, but like my husband and I, mm-hmm. if we have hit a limit, we can step away, mm-hmm. but I... We try really hard in our household. We don't explode. We don't freak out. We can be. We are very stern. We mean what we say. We say what we mean. We have discipline. We have really strong boundaries. But I'm going to always be calm. And I'm always going to be a safe space. Um, and that's a little different. I feel like people who grew up back in the day in the 80s and 90s, things were a little more you There wasn't a lot of communication about feelings. It was like, hey, stop it. We're not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And if you push too far, then there might be an explosion. Um, so yeah, just staying really even keeled, even when you want to rip your hair out, um, has been really cool. Because kids feed off your energy. And if you freak out, then your kids freak out. And then everyone's just freaking out. <laughs> so being able to maintain that has been different than what I grew up with.
2: How about you, Aaron? Yeah, there's... There's definitely a lot of tangible differences. I was an only child. There's now three kids in the house. We lived in a very small town in the '90s, and now it's the 2020s in a, you know, a suburb of a major city. Um, so there's there's a lot of different. And I was homeschooled, and my kids all go to school. So yeah, we've we've just figure out what works. And like I said, how did you changing- how
1: did you come up with your parenting plan for each of you? Did you discuss it with your your husbands before you had kids, or you just sort of oh. fell into it along the way, or did you just read it from somebody? Or I don't
3: think you fall into it. It yeah. has to be because it's hard. Because it was premeditated the impulses to freak out. Um, there are a lot of really good resources online. I know Instagram has Big Little Feelings, just a lot of resources of like, hey, this. Works. Staying calm works. Giving your kids the space to do this works. And I, um, for unfortunately for my son, he is just me, but twenty four years younger. Um, so I have a lot of empathy on how he sees the world and how his nervous system works, and that he can get anxious. Um, and that I've been able to explain that to my husband, who is very different from me and very different from our six year old. I'm like, let me help you understand what he needs. So kind of going through that, and it is a lot of experimentation, a lot of um, – because some kids, you can put them in out and they're distraught because they just want to be with people. Some kids you can put in timeout, and they're like, finally a minute to myself. What a vacation. Um, I know some people who do spanking, there are some kids that have very high pain tolerances and feel nothing. Uh, some kids, you just have to say, I'm a little disappointed in you, and it's game over. So it is a lot of trial and error. Um, and we, not that your first child should be an experiment, but I think most oldest children can say that they were the trial run for their parents. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> and I can say the same about my oldest as he, he was our, our trial run for what our parenting thoughts are. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we sat down and had a, okay,
2: here's what we're going to do in these situations, kind of blueprint for it. Uh, but we have always been very proactive about you know, we joined the young families group at church. We are surrounded by other parents or friends who have kids about the same age um, and we yeah the online resources online courses all that we've tried to stay just up to up to date with with where where our kids were at and also in communication with other people and then when a problem shows up, we're good at communicating with each other like or like, oh, that did not go well. Maybe next time mm-hmm. we don't do that.
1: But I also noticed in your household, you're very calm. Nobody yells or screams. If they act up, you're both very calm. You isolate them from the problem. You set them aside. But you're also affectionate. You hug them. You hold them. Um, you made it clear, you know, the standards and the outcome of their behavior. And you're also very loving. And it's a different it's a different way to rear children like the, than I am used to yeah. that I've seen where, you know, you're... My my dad, gosh, he grew up in the the 1920s and 30s, and he saw his grandchildren being disciplined in a, you know, face the wall, time out. You know, if you have to get the rice paddle, paddle them, but it's not that painful. And my my father would say, Oh my goodness, I I just watch how you discipline your children. I, you know, I thought my father disciplined us, and what we thought it was discipline, I realized now it was child abuse. (laughs) He did that. (laughs) It was a different way yeah. of disciplining him. You thought, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child back then. So, you know, it's come a long way. And how do you raise good people who know rules and have boundaries? Yeah. So there, there are some moms out there who are listening who are soon to be moms, right? And we know one, Aaliyah Stevens in Minnesota. She she and Jason are going to have their first baby uh, in June. So if you can give Aaliyah and all the moms-to-be who are listening what three pieces of advice, if you do the number three, what three pieces of advice would, would you give these moms to be?
3: I would say definitely. I mean, not in the newborn stage, but as they start having that pesky free will, um, as they get into two, just say what you mean and mean what you say. There is nothing more detrimental to your stance as a parent than threatening something, not threatening, but telling someone there's going to be a consequence and then not following through. Because kids are smart. And the minute you do that, they're like, well, I don't trust that you're ever going to follow through on anything. So like put your shoes on now or we're not going to the park. Five minutes later, they finally have their shoes on and we go to the park. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you saying, well, I'm going to throw your toy away. If you do it, they do it. You throw the toy away. And I say, but I'm sorry. And you're like, cool. And then you take it out of the trash can. (laughs) I mean, I have done some brutal emotional stuff to my kid because he, we got to learn. And there's some stuff that he's done. And I've, I've said, Hey, if A happens, then B happens. And then he does A, I'm like, cool, we're, I hate to do this, but we're going to do it.
1: There are consequences. Because Better learn at home versus in jail.
3: Yes. And that's <laughs> where I, I want them to come from. And I remind my, my sons every night, we say, how much do I love you? And they say, forever and always, no matter what. And I always say, there's nothing you could ever do that would make me love you less. Like mm-hmm. We're still going to have battles. There will still be punishments. We're both going to mess up. But there is nothing you could ever do. Um, that would make me love you less. And another big thing that we do is there's nothing worse that you could ever tell me than a lie. So when my son does tell me the truth, like yesterday, he found two whole things of Pez, just full Pez dispensers. And I said, "Bud, did you take these upstairs? He's like, yes. Go, did you eat them both? He goes, yes. I'm like, thank you for telling me the truth. Yes. <laughs> I am like, I am like not thrilled that you did this, but I'm not going to freak out on him. Cause guess what's going to happen told next time. Truth. He's going to lie about it yeah. because I freaked out. Tell so I was like, Hey, truth. that wasn't cool. We're not going to do it again. But I never technically explicitly told you not to bring the pass upstairs. And that's also knowing myself as a parent. I'm like, I technically never told him not to take him upstairs. Um, but just say, and just honoring when they tell you the truth and they are honest, because as teenagers, you want them to be able to tell you the truth and know that you are a safe space and that you can be disappointed, there can be consequences, but you are not going to freak out on them.
1: It's true. How about Erin?
2: I just want to follow up on that real quick. We have a friend who has, who's, I think it was her mom, gave her a card or something and it was, it was basically, redeem this card when you need to tell me something and you need me to be calm for it because she knew that her mom was prone to freak out. And But sometimes you need to be able to talk to your mom and have them not freak out and just that yeah. they can be stronger. And so this card would be a visual reminder to that mom, like, okay, I got to buckle up and. <laughs> yeah, <strap in. laughs> Someone's cool about to tell right me now. some stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: It's going to be rocky. You got yep. turbulence. So, you know, you mentioned that, you know, the unconditional love. There are times you love them. You may not like them, yep. but you'll love them forever. Love them. And of course we're not in this life forever either. And my hope is that when I pass at 98, <laughs> that my children get along, that they yep. get along and they love and support so if you, can, if you can look at your children and, and sort of foresee the future, what would you like to, to have your children say about you, about your memory? If they th- I know it makes me tear up. What would you like your children to say about you as mom?
3: I would say that I, they always felt safe with me and steady. Just safe and steady are my two words that I try to be for my kids. That they can always come back, and they always know what to expect, and they always know that I'm going to be a safe space.
2: Yeah, that's good. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have what she's having. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that that I love them and that um, that they can trust me. You know, it's, it's people ask
1: uh, – I asked my late husband this before he died. It was years before he died, but I said – what would you like to hear your children say about you at in your fun, at your funeral? What would you like them to say about you in your in the eulogy? Any ideas well, I mean, I know it's a little bit stark, but it's sort of any phrase they you you think about that you would want your children to say is in their sixties or seventies as they talk about you, and you're watching from heaven.
3: Oh gosh, honestly, as long as they still like me. And the memory of me and each other. <laughs> you were saying that you want your kids to be, to be friends as adults. I think that's just so important to me as well as maybe in my eulogy that I built a family, that I built like a strong unit that couldn't be broken. I think that's kind of what I aspire to do with my kids. And eventually their kids is to just have a home base, a very predictable and safe home base um, and create something awesome.
1: How about you, Erin?
2: I don't have anything to add to that. Yeah, the, I think that they trust me is a big one. So trusted me, if I guess. I yeah. need to put it past tense. Mommy trust Conversation. Her.
1: I know. It's, <laughs> you look back and what would I want my kids that mom was a character, but she had character. Yeah. And that I aspire them to be the best they can be. And one of the things I taught them is if you can make better every life you touch around you, you would have had a good life. And I think that would be it, that I was able to channel that into them and and to serve God above all. And and really, it's sort of sole purpose with that. So, you know, I look back at, at child rearing and all the things, and it's interesting, a lot of the latest polls show that a lot of families are, are going further away from the church, and what they value now is more money, more money and things that very less regarding faith. And, and, and there's a lot of younger people who don't want children, who don't want children. They just say, I don't want kids. You know? And I would just, I feel sad that they never had the joy of holding a child, of having their own child, because I think that tremendous is a tremendous gift, that they somehow deprive themselves of that, that gift of life, which is really sad. You know, I look at moms, and it's the, it truly is the hardest job you do, it's the most taxing physically, emotionally, in every single way. And it's the most heartbreaking of all things. And so, you know, I look at final thoughts, and I, I've got this plaque that I bought years ago. And it has a picture of a tree of life. And underneath it says, there are only two things we can give our children. The most, most, two most important things you give your kids are roots, your family roots, foundation. And the second is wings, that you allow them to fly without you and that you know you've raised good people that when they're adults, they make a decision that's professional, social, financial, without your input. They'll say, hey, mom, dad, I've decided I, I want to marry this person or hey, mom, dad, I'm going to graduate school and I'm paying for that or I'm buying a house. I don't need your money. I'm, <laughs> you know, or, and that that's an adult. Yeah. You know, you, you raise that. The other thing is kids don't need stuff. And you know that. I I have in one of my places that I have, I have all my sons, all their stuffed toys, you know, and how fun it was. And they remember it, but it wasn't the stuff. That's not what they want. In fact, what we see when people die, what do you want from the estate? They don't want all the stuff. You want the memory, you want the pictures maybe or whatever scan. But I think the the biggest thing you give your children obviously is the boundaries, the discipline, but it's also balanced by the love that you give, your time spent with them. That's one nice thing about working remote. You can be with them every day. They can see you at work. You can, and that's the, the advantage of a lot of dads who work remote. You can see, you, you actually raise your children. Isn't it at the end of the day, you're always there at home. So the greatest gift isn't stuff, it's memories, that you're, you're laying down these amazing memories and you look at your kiddos now and how, you know, did it go by fast? It went by really fast, didn't it?
2: The yeah, the years are fast, the the days are long, but <laughs>
3: yeah, and that's true. That's
1: a t- yeah, it's it's true. Days are long, the years are fast, and so any final advice to to moms out there, or any any things you want to tell the kids and the out there in the audience as we close this show on Mother's Day?
3: I would say just for moms, especially moms in a hard season, as With anything in life, it's going to be hard, and it will get better. And then it will get hard again, and then it will get better. And if you just keep sticking with it and sticking to your guns and trusting your gut, it's going to be okay. And that there are a lot of other people going through the same thing as you that you can connect with to support you along the way.
1: Mm -hmm. It's true. I think you've found this really the secret of good parenting is having support yeah. Support from uh, grandparents, friends, definitely your spouse is number one, but other moms that you can talk and laugh about and think, you know, I'm not the only one who's going through this. There's somebody who's having it worse. Yeah. And and because the worst thing about the pandemic is the isolation. Yeah, And if you're suffering in isolation, I can't think of anything as worse as that, that you hear you're able to share with moms and laugh and just really, you know, part of it's taking care of you, that obviously there's a lot of sacrifice involved with being moms, but Don't deprive yourself taking care of yourself. You know, it's good that you get away, you get that break and you do the date night because as you're going through this, don't isolate yourself from your spouse because I see people, the kids go off to college and the parents break up because they have nothing in common because they were together really for the kids. And now that the kids are gone, there's nothing left because they were all focused. And so, you know, I know Aaron and Andrew get away. You have date night. How often do you guys get out?
2: We have one planned date night per month, and then we there's usually a less planned one
3: here or there. How about you? We have a system. <laughs> we call it hot date night. Um, and every Thursday, um, we do an in-home date where one of us chooses the takeout, one of us chooses the uh, activity, and we basically just plan really fun at-home dates for each other once a week. And we've been doing that for about a little over – about two years now, and it's been really, really good for our marriage. You can follow it at Hot Date Night on Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's an Instagram. Oh, it's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. We we love to do it.
1: I think probably the greatest gift you, your, your children can get from you and your spouse is a happy marriage and the parents. That is the yeah. greatest gift because you look at the divorce rate. Yeah. And if the greatest gift can be that they can see mom and dad are happily married. Yeah. You know, everyone's got problems, but they resolve it. And that we are product of that happy marriage. Yeah. To grow up in a family... That mom and dad are happily married truly is an achievement in this day and age. So. Yeah. But listen, I want to uh, wish each of you a wonderful Mother's Day and, and congratulations and thank you for what you do for raising our future citizens of this world because they will impact this world. So thanks again and thank you all, moms out there and dads and, and moms-to-be on for listening to House Calls with Dr. Connie and Aaron Stevens and Jackie Kelly. So have a great month of may and we'll talk to you next month in june so take care and god bless you all
0: thank you again for joining us this week for house calls with dr connie mariano we'll be back next thursday at 7 p.m eastern time 4 p.m pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel have a terrific week